morning. Welcome to Barah Ministries, an intimate local Christian church with worldwide impact. My name is Pastor Rory Clark, and at Barah Ministries we know this truth, that Jesus Christ is God. As Lord, he is 100% deity. He is God the Son. He is also 100% human, just like you and me, and his name is Jesus Christ. The Lord, God the Son, became flesh and lived among us. He is the sovereign God of the universe. He is the Savior of all mankind. He is the Jewish Messiah. And those who make Baram Ministries their spiritual home believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Christianity is a relationship, not a religion. We are Christians, and we have a deep, intimate, and personal relationship with the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ is a person. He is not a thing. He is not a concept. And just as we would do with any person whom we love, we spend time getting to know the Lord through the study of his word. You can't get to know the Lord without knowing his mind, and the Bible is his exact thinking. Well, during a crisis, especially a crisis like the one that's going on in the world right now, a crisis described as a pandemic, where the most brilliant, most sophisticated medical community in the history of mankind has suddenly forgotten how to deal effectively with a virus. It's easy to forget one immutable and irrevocable fact revealed in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. And it says this, God the Father revealed himself long ago to the church fathers through the prophets by various means and in various ways. Hebrews 1, 2. And in recent days, God the Father has revealed himself to us through his Son, the Lord, whom God the Father appointed as heir of all things. We're in union with Christ, so that means that we are heirs of all things as well. God the Father reveals himself through this Son, also whom God the Father, by, through whom God the Father made the universe. Hebrews 1.3, and the Lord Jesus Christ is the radiance of God the Father's glory, and the Lord Jesus Christ is the exact representation of God the Father's nature, and the Lord Jesus Christ upholds all things by the word of his power. The sovereign God of the universe, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, is in complete control of the universe, and nothing has changed that, and nothing ever will. And of course, He is in complete control of every single aspect of the madness that has swept through the souls of everyone in the world. Therefore, as believers in Christ, while all others around us are losing their heads, we do not lose ours, and we refuse to be afraid. In Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, the Lord tells us, Do not fear, for I, the Lord, am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, For I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The covenant the Lord made with his believers is unconditional and irrevocable. Irrevocable. Will never change. And just as his covenant to his chosen nation Israel and to the Jewish race will never change, therefore we are not afraid because nothing that is true about us, as promised by the Lord, will ever change. 
Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven says this, God the Father has not given us believers in Christ a spirit of fear, but he has given us a spirit of divine power and a spirit of unconditional love and a spirit of self-discipline. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ gives us peace in our souls that is not available in the world. The night before he was crucified, a night that would turn the apostles' lives upside down, the Lord was encouraging. In John chapter 14, verse 27, he said, Peace, I, the Lord Jesus Christ, leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let your heart be fearful. And I'm wondering, is your heart fearful of a virus that the most sophisticated medical community in the history of mankind has been combating for years? Are you afraid of that? I am not. Are you willing to say out loud that you're not afraid of it? I am, and I don't care that everybody thinks I'm strange because I'm not watching the news and because I'm not standing in toilet paper lines. Amen? (laughs) I ain't standing in no line. I don't need to stand in a toilet paper line. I got seven bathrooms, and every one of the bathrooms has three toilet paper rolls in it. I was obsessive long before this happened. (laughs) Amen? So y'all need some toilet paper? Come over to my house. I got plenty of toilet paper for everybody. As a matter of fact, Tom Motti was over at the house the other day, and he took one of my rolls of toilet paper. He was like, Tom, what, you, what are you doing? He just wanted to show his family there are other sources of toilet paper other than Costco. Amen? So we're not scared. And, you know, people from my customers have been talking to me, and, and you know, they're wondering, why aren't you scared? Why aren't you scared? Scared of what? Scared of a virus? I'm not scared of a virus. And doctors are getting on the radio. Uh, we don't know what, what it is. It's a virus. You do know what it is. And you know how you handle virus. Every time since I've been going to the doctor for 64 years. And every single year when you go in and tell them that you got a virus, they go, I, I don't know what to do about that. Here, take some antibiotics. Even if that's not even right. You either have a bacteria or a virus, you're going to die. It's just crazy. Well, we're going to get all worked up about it. We're going to stay in our house. I don't want to stay home. You want to stay home? There are going to be more divorces because of this virus that you ever see because everybody working from home, right? Now they got to talk. They have to interact. They're going to get divorced. It's beautiful. I love this. I love watching the madness of the world. As believers in Christ, we fear Nothing. We are not anxious. We are not worried. We are keeping our heads when all about us are losing theirs. Why? Because we have a spiritual life. We have a God who is on our side. We have a God who is in complete control of everything. And here's what he says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. He says, therefore, let us believers in Christ fear if we fear anything. And we're not supposed to fear because fear is a sin. But if we fear, fear that there is a promise remaining of entering into God's rest and that you may seem to have come short of it. What does that mean? That there's a promise of resting 
in the Lord, being peaceful in the Lord, knowing that he has control of the universe and it has not been wrested from his hands and that you're caught up in the madness, you're caught up in the bands of the hurricane instead of slipping into the eye of the hurricane where God lives, where there is perfect peace. So that's a fancy way of God saying to us that Hebrews 4.1 is a fancy, fancy way of God saying to us, would y'all please chill? I got this. Amen? So chill, because God has got this. I'm mad this is taking a year of my life away, but I'll rest. Barah Ministries makes a difference by teaching the word of God from the Lord Jesus Christ's perspective. If you don't look at this through God's eyes, you will be scared. We do not look from man's perspective here at Barah Ministries. We search the scriptures to learn who the Lord is as a person, to learn what our God has to say about himself, about his plan for all mankind, and about his personal plan for each one of us. We are here to look at our lives from his perspective. We are here to learn to enjoy the sphere of grace, the sphere of forgiveness, and the sphere of unconditional love in which we stand, especially in the midst of the complete chaos that's going on in the world. Welcome to Barah Ministries. Today's Bible lesson, Christians don't live by the thinking of the world. Christians don't live by the thinking of the world. What is Romans Chapter 12, verse 3 say, do not be conformed. This is an order from God. Do not be conformed to Satan's world system of thinking. Instead, keep on being transformed by God through the renewing of your mind, the study of the word of God, so that you may know what the will of God is. And the will of God is that which is perfect, that which is acceptable, and that which is whatever the third word is in the verse, I forget. But he's got us. All right, so in all of Matthew chapter 23, what it, look it up for me, Denny, because that's bugging me now. In all of Matthew chapter 23, but especially in Matthew chapter 23, verses 23 and 24, The Lord Jesus Christ is quite critical of the Pharisees. Now, who are the Pharisees? These are guys that have been studying the Old Testament Torah and and the Old Testament scriptures for 20 years. And and the Lord is very critical of them. Why? Because they're religious and because they're unbelievers. And here's what he says to them. He says in Matthew 23, 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! The Greek word is hupokrites. What is a hupokrites? It's somebody who talks from behind a mask. It's somebody who's phony. It was a drama term. Woe to you. Woe to you is the worst thing you could say. That is the worst swear word in the ancient world. Woe to you, you pessime ribalde, you miserable, wretched person. That's what that means. Woe to you. Scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Matthew twenty three twenty four. You are blind guides. You're leading people and you can't even see yourselves. You strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. They would eat a whole camel, but they wouldn't pick the gnats off of the camel's skin. Well, what does that mean exactly? The Pharisees were so focused on the small 
meaningless things that they missed all the big things. So they were all religious, but then they didn't pay attention to the big thing, the gospel message, and they're all in the lake of fire today. So, so it is in the world today. We're worried about a completely controllable virus, a gnat, and ignoring our relationship with God, which is swallowing a camel. And, okay, bet me money. Bet me money. I got a dollar right here, right now. I got a whole lot of dollars. All right? Bet me the dollar right now. I'm taking it out. Right at on the break, you can come up. You want to bet me a dollar? Just put it right up here, and we'll give it till the end of the year. You win the bet if you put a dollar on it. And by the end of the year, we don't have a vaccine for the coronavirus. We'll have a vaccine for the coronavirus by the end of the year. Now, it takes 20 years to get a medication through the FDA. 20 years, but I guarantee you, by the end of this year, we will have. Of a, uh, uh, an antidote for the coronavirus. And you know what it's going to be? Penicillin. <laughs> Rename. All right, so I got my dollar. And I'll match all your dollars. Because what are we going to do? 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Uh, yeah, $40 is no big deal. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> <laughs> So, straining, oh, good, acceptable, and perfect. Right, thank you, man. All right, so, so it was in the church at Corinth. The arrogant social elitists of the Christian church at Corinth ignored incest in their congregation, the camel, but were suing fellow believers over minor disputes, the gnat. And we're, ta- and we're taking the, cor- the case, these minor cases, before unbelievers in the courts of the day. Well, it's a spiritual breakdown, much like the one we're witnessing, where pagans in the news media are causing alarm in the souls of believers in Christ. In today's lesson, we'll learn that the very things we are experiencing today have been going on for years. There have been pandemics for years. Things that spin everybody up. It's just because they have been conditioning us for 20 years to think that a phone is more important than people. That we're all staring at this and it's more important than people. Now the next 20 years they're going to be sending propaganda to the phone to tell us what to think. And you're going to buy it because they systematically took you away from books which teach you and give you vocabulary, and now have you looking at a phone and expecting all information to come to you. You don't go seek out books. You don't go to library. Are there still libraries? I know there is because Zachary goes to the library all the time. But, yeah, we're passive. We're all teed up. For the next 20 years, they're going to be telling you what to think. And right now, they're telling us what to think. Go get toilet paper. Go get hand sanitizer. You're going to die. Go in your house. Everything is horrible. It's terrible. Yep. Yep. And we, and when, when I told people about this 10 year, 20 years ago, I told people that's what, where this is going. Because this tells us that that's where it's going. 
they laughed at me. Ten years later, they were mad at me for telling them it. Today, they just completely ignore me. You're, you're just out of touch. You're an idiot. Okay. Well, I got a phone, but it isn't more important to me than people in my life. I know how to put it down. I know how to turn it off. But the average person, six hours a day on the phone. If we didn't have an app, we wouldn't have a prayer getting to anybody. Believe me. You think people are going to come here and worship and have to actually smile at and talk to other people? Look at our kids. Our kids don't have social skills. You say hello to them, they don't say hello back. They don't even have social skills. No, not I shake hands, web to web, nothing. And we think it's cute. Yeah, and Denny's waving. No, we're not touching kids. I, I, you know what, Denny? I know you shouldn't touch kids. Kids are germ machines. They go to school around a bunch of germ machines, and then they come and bring their germs home to you, drooling through their nose all the time. I know Elle is the snot monster, right? She is the snot monster. She has got more snot coming out of her nose than anything. Anyway, look, we're not scared. We're not scared. We're not scared. There's nothing to be afraid of. The Lord Jesus Christ is still in control of the universe. All right, well, let's hear some music. Once I was asked, what is God the Father doing right now? And at the time, I thought that was the stupidest question I had ever heard. Well, after a little research, it turns out that God the Father is doing a lot of things. It was actually a brilliant question. And one of the things he is doing right now, one of the most important things, is he's listening to every prayer that is being raised up to the heavens. And since there are 7 billion people in the world, at any moment in time, he could be getting 7 billion prayers simultaneously, and he hears them all. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 assure us, this is the confidence we have before God the Father, that if we ask Anything according to his will, the Father hears us. 1 John 5.15 And if we know that God the Father hears us in whatever we ask, and of course we do know that, then we know that we already have the requests which we have asked from him. Before you even pray, God has granted the things that he knows in omniscience that you're going to ask for. Amen? Do you have that confidence, though? Do you even think that way? The first time I said we were going to be in that impact center, that we were going to be in that building, I knew it. I meant it. I knew it. And people looked at me and said, that's never going to happen. They also said, Barat Ministries is never going to grow. We'll see. We'll see. I'm patient. I'm patient. I'm not in a hurry. I got 35 years left on the earth. I am not in a hurry. I'm going to live to be 100. I'm going to be the oldest person in my family. And the, the oldest person just died recently. She was 99 in four months. I'm killing that record. I'm killing that record. Abraham, when I get to meet Abraham, he was like 135 or something like that. I'm going to be laughing at him. I might get to 136, 137. I'm going to know my great, 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 great grandkid. And they're all going to be cute. Just like me. Amen? You better say amen or I'm walking out. Amen? (laughs) All right, so 
Anyway, here is June Murphy to give us some instructions on how to pray with her song, We Pray to the Father. Pray to the Father in the power of the Spirit, in the name of Jesus our Lord. We lift up each other as the Lord's royal family. That's what family is for. Make your request be known to God. Be anxious for nothing. Trusting in the one who answers with wisdom from above. We must be thankful in everything. No matter what it looks like or how we feel trusting that our father knows what's best for us and in his timing the answers reveal be transformed by the renewing of your mind no longer be was also found in Christ so that your attitude in you unfurls be transformed as you pray to the Father in the power of the Spirit in the name of Jesus each other as the Lord's royal family that's what family is for it's the order the Father sets song. Thank you. Let us pray. We're grateful, Heavenly Father, for the privilege of studying your absolute truth, the Word of God. Father, thank you for never changing. Thank you that we can count on you. Thank you for putting your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in charge of the universe. We're grateful that we can count on him to do his job. Father, like all those in the world are running like all those in the world are running around like chickens with their heads cut off, paralyzed with fear, 
thinking that their security lies in hand sanitizer and toilet paper. Help us, believers in Christ, be calm for others amidst the storm. Give us the courage not to be part of the hysteria. Give us the wisdom not to be part of the problem. And instead, give us the compassion to be a part of the solution as we lead others to the eye of the hurricane. To you, Father, where the calm of a renewed mind and divine power lives. Let us be strengthened by the power of your word. We ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, say it with me. Amen. Amen. Today's Bible lesson, Christians don't live by the thinking of the world. Christians don't live by the thinking of the world. Well, we're studying the fourth chapter, or I'm sorry, the fourth passage of the Apostle Paul's first letter to a church he established in Corinth, which was the Las Vegas of the ancient world. And this passage in the letter extends from 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. And the passage addresses some pretty meaty issues, like incest, like lawsuits, like prostitution. And we've taken a look at the incest passage, and now we transition to the part of the passage about lawsuits. And as a reminder, this is an arrogant and socially elite group in the church at Corinth who think that they are better than the lesser members of the church. In fact, uh, instead of thinking that way, they ought to think about themselves for what they are, and what they are is immoral perverts. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, these elitists are ignoring the conduct of a man that is having sex with his stepmother and flaunting it. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 says, It is actually reported by Chloe's people and others that there is sexual immorality among you, the kind of sexual immorality that is so disgusting that, not, that it is not even considered okay among the Gentiles, among the unbelievers, who actually find some conduct repugnant, that someone is having sex with his father's wife, the man's stepmother. Well, Paul dealt successfully with this individual, but in the letter he is taking the congregation to task for how they are handling the situation. And in the next part of the passage, he's taking them to task again for mishandling another situation. To make it simple for you, there is a minor dispute among the members of the congregation. It is not revealed what the dispute is, only that it is minor. So I can give you an example for the sake of illustration of what this might be. And it is not what it is, but this is what it could be. It's a dispute over a loan. Now, these are wealthy people. One congregation member, a believer in Christ, has loaned another congregation member, also a believer in Christ, $300. Or, at the time, two denarii. And when the loan is not paid back, Rather than handling the matter themselves, they take the dispute to court. That happens today. I have loaned people money, and they haven't paid me back, and then people say, well, you're going to take them to court. No, I'm not taking them to court. They're believers in Christ. I'm not taking them to court. Well, what are you going to do? I'm going to wait for them to pay me back. Well, I mean, how's that working? It's not working. Well, are they going to pay you back? I don't know. Do I look like them? Well, why didn't they pay you back? I guess because they don't know how to keep contracts. I think they'd rather pay Visa than pay me. 
because there are a lot of people who do that to other believers in Christ. They treat Visa better than they treat the believers in Christ. Amen? Now, that's not right, but that's what happens. And if that's not your agreement with the person, then there's something wrong with that. Well, that's the kind of thing that was happening. And so doing this, you know, taking these minor disputes to court brings ridicule to the church because the matter is petty. And it hinders the advance of the gospel because unbelievers look at at our church and they say, well, why would I want anything to do with your church? You handle things just like we handle things in the world. You know, why I want to come to church where everybody was in line yesterday at Costco for toilet paper. Amen? Yeah, I know. I got cameras on y'all. I saw y'all in the Costco line, the Sam's Club somewhere. I saw you in the line getting toilet paper. I know you got 100 rolls of toilet paper in your house. Amen? (laughs) You can admit it. (laughs) So... These believers in Christ in the church at Corinth are straining out a gnat, and they're they're arguing over a small loan, and they're swallowing a camel. They're missing the chance to evangelize with the gospel message in a locale that desperately needs a spiritual life. And that's what the people who are standing in toilet paper lines need. They need a spiritual life. They need the word of God in their souls. They need to know, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God. And the God of peace, a peace that surpasses all comprehension, a God who has nothing against you, will garrison your heart and your mind through your union with Christ Jesus. And it is so fun for me to listen to these supposedly intelligent people in an absolute state of confusion about what to do. It's absolutely fun for me to listen to all these multimillionaires who are sitting at home not getting paid in a quandary about it. And it's all because they don't have a spiritual life. That's it. And boy, Regal Cinema is so happy. Because you ain't going to be able to get a seat in the movie theater this summer because there's no baseball, there's no XFL, you know, all the things that we normally do. There's no basketball, there's no March Madness. All the things we normally do are gone. Now what are we going to do? They're playing last year's NCAA final on TV. I ain't watching last year's. I already know what happened. That's That's not thrilling for me. I don't like watching recorded sports. We only got one person in the congregation that likes watching recorded sports, Deacon Denny. You can't talk to Deacon Denny on a Saturday during football season because he's recording the Iowa game and he doesn't want you to do spoiler alert. Amen? (laughs) That ain't even right. That's not right. But that's what happens. (laughs) So anyway, let's take a look at this passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 to 12. Here's what it says. Does any one of you, when he has a legal case against his neighbor, dare to go to law before the unrighteous, unbelievers, and not before the saints, the righteous ones? 1 Corinthians 6.2 Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? 
If the world is judged by you, the saints, are you not competent to judge the most insignificant cases? 1 Corinthians 6.3, do you not know that as saints we will judge angels? How much more then will we judge the ordinary matters of this life? 1 Corinthians 6.4, so if you have law courts dealing with the ordinary matters of this life, do you appoint them as judges? Instead of appointing those who are disdained in your church, and the ones who were disdained in the church were the poor people. 1 Corinthians 6, 5. I say this to shame you. Is it so that there is not among you one wise man? You're so smart. You're so arrogant. You're so elite. Is it so that there is not one, uh, not among you one wise man who will be able to decide a legal case between the brethren? 1 Corinthians 6, 6. But brother goes to law with brother, and that going to law before unbelievers? Unbelievable. Paul's appalled. 1 Corinthians 6, 7. Actually then, it is already a defeat for you that you have lawsuits with one another. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded? 1 Corinthians 6, 8. On the contrary, you yourselves wrong and defraud. You do this even to your brethren. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous, unbelievers, will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, those are males sexually penetrated by other males, nor homosexuals, those who penetrate effeminate males, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 6.11 Such were some of you. You were of these lifestyles, but then you were washed with the water of the word, the gospel message. You were sanctified, set apart in union with Christ. You were justified, legally declared as righteous, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the baptism of the Spirit of our God and Father. So that's it. I said 12, but it's 11. I think I left out one verse. Let me look up 12 real quick and see if that's the concluding verse. I was probably in toilet paper line and then just forgot it. Six twelve. No, that's it. It goes through 11. So I did get it right for a change. All right, so the result of divisions and rivalries in this congregation is just more childish behavior, more things that tear congregations apart. Christians don't live by the thinking of the world. In asking his father to take care of his apostles and to take care of all believers in Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ says in John chapter 17, verse 16, on the night before his crucifixion, they, the apostles and all believers, are not of the world. Why are they not of the world? Because they're in union with me. Even as I am not of the world. We are not of the world. Philippians 3.20 says our polituma, our, our uh, citizenship, po- the Greek word polituma is in heaven. 
And what we're doing down here is waiting for the return of a Savior, Jesus Christ. This could be the year. That would be so good if this was the year, even though I got more stuff to do. Amen? So, as believers in Christ, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. We are not to think like the world. Churches are canceling services today. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? If you have faith in Christ, why would you do that? You would do it because you're bowing to pressure. You're bowing to the world. Because the world says if you don't do this, there's something wrong with you. There was a guy on the radio the other day who said, oh, yeah, there are all these macho coronavirus guys who don't think that the virus can affect them, and they just need to shut up. That's, that's what the world wants us to do. If you got an opinion, you need to shut up. I'm not shutting up. I've been shutting up. They want you to be politically correct. You can't even go to a comedy club and enjoy the comedy club and enjoy somebody berating every race, every creed, every nationality, and every predilection. You can't even enjoy that anymore because when they say something like that, everybody goes, ooh, that's harsh. Bunch of wimps. That's all we've become is a bunch of wimps. And it doesn't make us any better as people. You're a better person because you're a wimp? You're not. Are you a better person because you're quiet? You're not. You're just more miserable. It's crazy. How are believers in Christ supposed to get the truth if churches of the day are thinking like the world, in a panic, scared about a virus? We have been dealing with viruses our whole lives and know absolutely nothing about them. Yet we live. See, you don't really know anything about a virus. You, don't, you didn't study viruses. You don't know how they operate, how they get in you. They got pictures on now, these, uh, you know, a picture of a face, and then there are all these bugs on the throat. Here's the virus, and it crawls into your chest. It's like, that's been happening since the beginning of time. That's why God gave us lungs. Lungs filter out all that stuff. But now we're illustrating it and we're broadcasting it and now we're scared. We hand our newborns off to people to hold. As soon as Zachary was born, you sleepy today, bro? You should be sleepy because I've been working you like a dog. Amen? Amen, Amen, brother. Amen. But as soon as Zachary was born, I was handing him to people. Two weeks into his birth, we're sitting at Benihana's eating dinner. And the people looked over, oh, how old's the baby? I said, two weeks old. You have him out with two weeks? Yeah, you want to hold him? Because you look like you're sniveling a little bit. Hold him. Because I wanted him to get sick as many times as he could, as fast as he could, so that he could develop the antibodies that fight off Viruses, that's what we do. We get the virus, our body fights it off, it develops antibodies, and then the next time it's not bad, he's the healthiest kid I've ever seen. He doesn't get sick. I don't get sick for nothing. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Too bad you didn't have a microphone on to say that. We don't get sick. So I'm passing him around. So he could get sick, so he could learn how to ward off disease. Our bodies have been adapting forever. 
Now, all of a sudden, a basketball player gets the flu, which happens 100 times a season to each player. And now we got to monitor him and test him with the coronavirus testing kit. This is just stupid. Now, suddenly, toilet paper and hand sanitizer are the new antidotes for an unknown virus. And frankly, somebody needs to explain something to me about the toilet paper because I don't get it. I don't get why everybody's making a run on toilet paper. I don't. I don't. You're going to have to help me. Oh, they're afraid of having diarrhea, are they? Jeez. You got diarrhea. Go do your deal and go get in the shower. If you're at home, right, take five showers a day. And don't be, Jess, don't be looking like you have never done that because you know you've done it. You're looking all around like, what's he talking about? You know what I'm talking about. You've done it. <laughs> anyway, when we return from our five-minute break, we'll take the offering. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'd like to take this all seriously, but I can't. I would love to take this seriously. I just can't. I'm sorry. When we return from our five-minute break, we'll take the offering, and then we'll see what Paul has to say to the church at Corinth about this latest mishandling of a very small and routine matter. Five-minute break. Member of the family, and if they all forget my 
There we go. How's that? Today's Bible lesson, Christians don't live by the thinking of the world. Well, Christians don't live by the thinking of the world. Well, when we give, we present something voluntarily without any expectation of return compensation. We can give our time. We can give our talent. We can give our treasure. Well, because of my relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I've learned to make giving my life's work without expecting anything in return. And I can tell you with all honesty that the Lord has not honored my desire to get nothing in return. He always gives to me in abundance. John chapter 10 verse 10 says this, The thief, Satan, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I, the Lord Jesus Christ, came that believers in Christ may have the resurrection life. And I came so that they might have the resurrection life abundantly. As a result of the Lord's generosity, I have learned not to have a mindset of scarcity in the matter of giving. So as you give today, give without fear. Give abundantly, knowing that the Lord, with the Lord, you will always get abundance in return. Let's welcome up Deacon Denny Goodall with the offering message. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Denny Goodall, and I'm blessed to be a deacon for Bra Ministries, which is a worldwide Christian church. We're a place where real people come to listen to a real pastor who teaches the real truth from the Word of God. And it can really calm our souls on a day like today. <laughs> and I, I thought back to your time when 9-11 happened, how you got so many calls from so many people wondering what's going on. I feel very similar to this situation where it's just shutting everything down and nobody knows where to go and everybody's going crazy and the whole toilet paper and Purell and all this stuff. And 
I was just thinking, you know, like, I already feel spread thin as a father, and now this happens. It's like, ah, oh, geez, I was just catching up. Now i got to go buy toilet paper, and I didn't do it, and now I'm falling short on that, too, and we don't have Purell and all these things. And, I, you know, I feel like, oh, man, I should have prepped better. But I know I don't have to fear. I really don't have to fear. Because just like we have a license to sin, we have a license to not fear being Christians. And, you know, it's funny because I know people that hate the news. They never listen to the news. And now everything the news says, they're like, okay, we better go do it. We better stop everything. Because Facebook says it. CNN says it. Let's stop everything. And these people never thought they were credible. And now all of a sudden that's the best thing to listen to, you know. And we can, the, the funny thing is I kept thinking about is that, you know, there's a higher chance of dying from heart disease, cancer, or just unintended accidents. We can die from those. Those are the top three things you can die from in America. And what people forgot about all those. They forgot about heart disease. Heart disease is like, hey, what about me? You know, I'm, I'm cool too still, like, right? But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, just like we forgot about heart disease, we forgot about our spiritual life. We forgot where the real anchor is, where our real foundation is, which is in Christ, who controls everything. And it's real easy to lose sight of all that and this craziness, you know. And, and it's not to say that fear isn't legitimate, because it is. You know, what's the fear of chainsaws called? Common sense, Right? <laughs> there's no fancy name it's just common sense but what's the fear of a virus you, you can't see and, and that you've only heard about it's, that's craziness this is absolute craziness going on and so I was thinking today as I'm kind of or this week as I was thinking about the offering is like man it's just a really serious week I should be really serious but everything I thought of was just funny this whole thing is just funny to me it really is and I get it that people should be concerned and we should be common sense once again wash your hands if you're sick don't go to work school whatever I mean right Common sense. And then as I'm seeing God's grace in all this, I'm seeing, like, I work for a small company. We don't have a ton of people. Awesome. We come to a small congregation. We're not a large gathering. Thank you, Jesus, right? We don't have tons of people here. We don't have 500 people that are forcing us to shut down. You know, there's so many little things that we have that are amazing. And, you know, you think of the prayer symbol. Now it's got soap and hand, wash, hand, water all over it. Like, it can't just be prayer anymore. It's got to be hand soap and stay away from me and all this stuff. And, we know we don't need to fear like that, right? We don't have to fear like that because we, we look at the Bible. And Pastor already brought this up, Philippians 4, 6-7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Easy, right? I need toilet paper. I need lots and lots of toilet paper. <laughs> but and the, after we pray to God, we can have a peace of God which surpasses all comprehension. It will guard our hearts and it will guard our minds in Christ Jesus. Right? That's all we need. We don't need stacks of toilet paper to be safe. We just need Jesus. Amen. And everybody forgot about all the things. You can, you're, you're more likely to die by humans or dogs than this disease. But people forget about that. You know, they, they think that all of a sudden it's just like, I'll buy a bunch of toilet paper, hand sanitizer, and I'm safe from this disease. <laughs> and it's funny because I, like... I've, people were saying, you know, I thought it was a drippy nose, not a drippy butt. Like, why aren't they buying Kleenex? You know, all of a sudden Kleenex is like... <laughs> Sorry. I, I just, I find it funny, like, Pastor, and I, I am definitely worried about my kids, and I want to be diligent and smart and have common sense, but I'm not freaking out. And because, because of Jesus Christ. He's in control. He's not going to let anybody snatch us out of his hands. Everything that, that's happening to us is happening through his control, his permissive will. And so if it's happening, then it must be perfect. So the silver lining, I think, is just that it's bringing us closer together here at our church, whereas it's going to kind of spread some people thin at their church, and they're wonder why, you know, maybe, maybe this church isn't for me if they can't even meet when we have a crisis like this. 
So hopefully, like John said, we can use this opportunity for, for good for us and for Jesus to let everybody know what the gospel is so they can have a secure foundation in this kind of time and laugh like we are. And we're not laughing at people. We're just laughing at the situation because we love people. We want them to be secure as we are. We want them to know, have a foundation. And that's why we give it the offering. So, I mean, we're not, taking a, we're not spending money on the offering for toilet paper. This offering is going to that building and that building fund. And we're going to have plenty of toilet paper there. Amen? Amen. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you. Today's Bible lesson, Christians don't live by the thinking of the world. Christians don't live by the thinking of the world. Well, let's hear some more music. In Exodus chapter 21, verses 1 to 4, we learn this. Then Jehovah Elohim, that was the name uh, that referred to God the Son, the Lord. Then Jehovah Elohim, God the Son, spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God. Who, you brought out of, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, who brought you out of the house of slavery. Exodus 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods instead of me. You shall have no other gods instead of me. Exodus chapter 20, verse 4, you shall not make for yourself an idol of carved wood or stone or any likeness of what is in the sky above, not the sun, not the stars, not the moon, or And remember, some people worship the moon god. Uh, or an idol of what is on earth, animals. Or an idol of what is beneath the earth, in the waters underneath the earth, fish and other marine life. Exodus 20, verse 5, You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. In her song, Lauren Daigle encourages us to keep God first. 
Today's Bible lesson, Christians don't live by the thinking of the world. Christians don't live by the thinking of the world. Well, let's see what Paul is saying to the church at Corinth in the first six verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Here's verse 1. 
does any one of you, when he has a legal case against his neighbor, who is a fellow believer, dare to go to law before the unrighteous, before unbelievers, before outsiders, and then, and not go before the saints, the righteous ones, insiders? So there's the choice. Paul is mortified that believers in Christ would go to unbelievers to settle a legal case, a dispute, rather than settling it among themselves. In Paul's mind, this breaks the fellowship and the unity of believers, prompting more divisions and more rivalries. This promotes competition in the congregation rather than, com- than cooperation. So Paul is saying, where is the unconditional love, man? Paul is saying that it's better to settle a dispute in a moral church than in a corrupt court in front of judges who are not walking in the light of Christianity. And if they're not walking in the light of Christianity, they're walking in darkness. And Paul is disgusted by the decision on the part of the Corinthian congregation. Now look, we're talking about minor matters here. There are times to go to court. There are times you have to go to court. But in minor matters, you don't have to go to court. And he doesn't think you should. Now perhaps Paul's view came from knowing how unjust the court system of the day was. A court system that unjustly crucified our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Or perhaps the picture of court justice Paul had came through the experiences that he had of being unjustly imprisoned on multiple occasions, even though he was a Roman citizen. You couldn't just treat Roman citizens anyway. You couldn't just treat an American anyway. When we go to other countries and we say we're Americans, they know what that means. They may rough us up and treat us, mistreat us a little bit, but they know they can't just take advantage of us. I remember I was in Italy one time, and I, I was just in a bad mood because 99 times out of 100, I am very courteous to policemen. But I, I walked about... 40 feet to get a cart, and I left my bags there because I was just too tired to carry them. And this policeman comes over to me, and he's giving me grief about leaving my bags. I said, okay, we'll impound them then. Just take them. I walked 40 feet to get a cart. Take the bags. You want the bags? Take the bags. You know, so then we get into this nice Italian hand thing, right, which was fun. But, you know, you just, at, at a point, you just say, Okay, whatever. But, well, he he had every right to arrest me because I was being a jerk. But he didn't. And you know why. Because I'm an American. I would not have gotten away with that if I was Italian. Believe me. He'd have shot me or something. So that's what Paul is upset about, that he was a Roman, and then he was being treated like dirt. He had every right to have this jaundiced view of the court system because his jaundiced view of the court system was accurate. And it's the same thing that happens today. The people who have the money get off, they get away with murder. And the people who don't, don't. And so you you will see situations. What was the situation I saw just, oh, it was Michael Vick. I was watching the Michael Vick situation. And there were two 30-for-30s about Michael Vick. He was an amazing football player, and he got caught up with his friends doing dogfighting. Now, the maximum sentence for dogfighting in the United States is six months. Michael Vick got two years. Well, why? 
Well, number one, because he's a brother. But number two, they wanted to make an example out of him. That's not fair. I have friends who were NBA refs. And uh, one of my buddies, the, the, the NBA would buy him a first-class ticket to fly to the games. So what he would do is he would cash in the first-class ticket, get the money, and then he would buy a coach seat, and he would pocket the difference. Absolutely nothing wrong with that, but he didn't declare it on his income taxes. So here there are probably, let's see, three times, so there are probably 100 NBA refs. So what does the IRS do? They target this small group because it's got very high profile. And so they put a bunch of them in jail. To make an example, don't hide revenue. And by the way, the one thing that you never want to do with the IRS is hide revenue because they will put you under the jail and then talk to you later. Don't hide revenue. Pay your taxes. So, if you have a jaundiced view of the court system, there's a reason for it because it's, it's unfair. Today, everything's a plea bargain. Okay, but I'm not guilty. Yeah, but if you plead guilty, instead of getting 40 years, you'll just get four months. Everything's a plea bargain. It's crazy. 1 Corinthians 6, 2. Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? If the world is judged by you, the saints, are you not competent to judge the most trivial legal cases among yourselves? Whenever Paul asks the question, do you not know, he's, ref- he's referring to something that they've been taught. And what he's telling them is, you are so ignorant. Because we're in union with Christ as church-age believers, we will sit as judges of the world along with the supreme judge of the world. And if we're qualified to do that, Paul contends that we're qualified to settle minor disputes among ourselves, like a $300 loan, like the illustration I gave you. 1 Corinthians 6.3 Do you not know that as saints we will judge angels? How much more then will we be able to judge the trivial matters of this life? Paul says, do you not know, 10 times in this letter. He is slamming them really hard. As members of the creator-creature conflict, church-age believers, and that's us, are serving as judges of the angels who refused God's reconciliation offer after their fall. They're called fallen angels. And Paul is simply doing for these believers in the Corinthian church what I do for you every week. He is reminding them who they are in Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9, you remember, says, First, I, Paul, think God has displayed us apostles, your teachers, as last out of all, as men condemned to death, so that we might be a spectacle. A theatron is the Greek word, to the world, both to angels and to men. I told you when I taught you this, that people don't look down on us from heaven. Angels look down on us, and they're watching how you handle the gospel message. They're watching what happens when you find out that you are on the wrong side of a barrier at physical birth and that you are condemned to the lake of fire, just like they were all condemned after their fall. 
And when you decide to believe in Christ, you're telling the fallen angels exactly why they're going to the lake of fire. Because they had an opportunity to simply believe in Christ again, and they refused it. They went with Satan instead. One-third of the angels followed Satan after the fall, and they will be in the lake of fire. Angels are watching men to see why God is fair in the matter of sending the reconciliation, refusing angels to the lake of fire. Because he offered everybody an amnesty, and only two-thirds of the angels took it. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 4. So if you set up law courts dealing with the trivial matters of this life, why don't you appoint as judges those who are held in contempt within your own church? Why don't you social elitists who have these people in the church that you perceive as weak, why don't you use them? Because that's who God would use to shame the wise. God always uses the weak to shame the wise. They would be perfect judges in trivial matters, these poor people. To the angels, humans are so much less than us. When angels look at us, they're disgusted. They go, why do you love them? They ask God, why do you love them? They're disgusting. Look at all the stuff they do. Ooh, they're ugly. So funny. Yet we will judge them. God has set precedent in the matter of who is qualified to judge. Who's qualified to judge? The weak. But Paul is not recommending that unbelievers judge believers. 1 Corinthians 6, 5. I say all of this to shame you, Paul says to the Corinthian church. It is so that... You going to put the slide up there, uh, Sleepy? (laughs) I'm on point. It is so that there is not among you one wise man who will be able to decide trivial matters between his brethren. 1 Corinthians 6, 6. Instead, a brother, a believer in Christ, goes to law with brother, another believer in Christ, and then takes the case before unbelievers? Ew. Ew. So what is the equivalent of this today? What's the equivalent of what the Corinthians were doing here in our world? Well, married believers going to unbeliever marriage counselors to get a ripe dose of worldly viewpoint. You know, I've done therapy I used to go to a hypnotherapist. I've done all. I, I've done it all. That's why I'm up here. I've done it all. But when when I was married, we went to marriage counselor. The marriage counselor was unbelie- an unbeliever. What do you think the unbeliever told us? Unbeliever stuff. Oh, you gotta gotta go back and see where you were scarred in your childhood and all that crap. That's the first place everybody wants to go. You know, you got a problem today. It must have stemmed from your childhood. You were an idiot when you were a kid. All of us were scarred as kids. Our parents were imperfect. Our parents are morons. You know, we are expecting that our parents are these wonderful people. They're morons. They have a life, and they don't know how to live it. So if you're going to get all scarred about that, you got to forget that stuff. You just have to forget it. I've told you my dad left my mom 30 days after they got married when she told him she was pregnant. Oh, 
I'm scarred. Oh, I'll never get over it. And that's why in my current marriage, I'm blah. That's not why. It's choices. What are you doing in the current marriage? Probably something stupid. Amen? All right. Well, stop doing that. If you know that's stupid, cut it out. That's it. No charge for the therapy. You don't have to pay somebody $145 an hour so they can tell you to quit doing the stupid stuff you're doing. Okay, let me listen to you now. What are you doing? Well, every time she leaves, I take her phone and look through her phone. Okay. Well, that's a violation of her privacy. Okay. Stop that. <laughs> now, one hundred forty-five dollars. You, you need. I charge. I charge you forty for that. Call me. Amen. <laughs> we do some stupid stuff, don't we? As people, I can't tell you how much money I pay for therapy. Therapy. Well. What's the equivalent today? Married believers go to unbeliever marriage counselors. What's the equivalent today? Believers in Christ sit and watch the news. Being filled with propaganda for hours a week. But then when it's time to go to church to get a dose of divine viewpoint, they let something come up. Believers in Christ don't bow to worldly viewpoints. We don't think like unbelievers think, and we don't go to the world for advice. In crisis, it is now the perfect time for believers in Christ to attract unbelievers to Christianity. But unfortunately, or perhaps fortunately, depending on how you look at it, the believers of Corinth are doing things to embarrass the church and the gospel message instead of being examples of spiritual mentality. And unfortunately for them, this is how they handled the situation. Fortunately for us, we have the chance to learn from their mistake and not repeat it. I hope you are showing unbelievers how to think through this crisis. And I wish you would invite them here to get the truth live because we are real people listening to a real pastor teach the real truth of the Word of God. This is real. The stuff we are hearing on TV is not. Well, the closing moments of our lesson today are for anyone who doesn't have a relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We want you to know that God wants you. And what he wants from you is that you get to know him and that you have a relationship with him. Now, if you're going to place your confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation, you probably should get to know him as soon as you can. While there are many things to know about him, here are a few critical things. John chapter 1, verse 3 says, He is, the Lord is your creator. All things came into being through the Lord, God the Son. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. The Lord Jesus Christ loves you unconditionally. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says, The one who does not love unconditionally does not know the Lord, for the Lord is unconditional love. The Lord Jesus Christ wants you to be saved. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 say this, This is what's good and acceptable in the sight of the God who is our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who desires all men to be saved 
and who desires for all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. There are, there are some things the Lord doesn't want for you. The Lord Jesus Christ doesn't want you to go to the lake of fire. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says this, The Lord is not slow about his promise of salvation, as some accuse him of. Instead, he is patient towards you unbelievers, not wishing for any of you to perish in the lake of fire, but for all of you to come to repentance which is a change of mind about having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ forgives all your sins. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 25 says, I, even I, the Lord, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. The Lord doesn't want you to work to please him. Romans chapter 11 verse 6 If salvation is by grace, and of course it is, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. God's graciousness makes your salvation a free gift. Now, who is this God who saves you? The Apostle Paul describes the Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. I, Paul, delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, the gospel message. That it was Jesus Christ who died for our sins according to the scripture, and that he was buried, and that he was raised from the dead on the third day according to the scriptures. So how can you get to heaven? Isn't that a great question? How can you get to heaven? And I don't want anybody who's ever listened to a lesson at Barah Ministries not know the answer to this question. How do you get to heaven? The loving, forgiving, patient God who wants you to be saved is willing to save you right this minute. Right where you sit right now, you can tell God the Father that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the moment of eternal life for you. Acts chapter 16 verse 31 says this, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and everyone in your household who also believes. John chapter 14 verse 6, Jesus said to the doubting Apostle Thomas, I am the way to salvation, I am the truth through the word of God, and I am the resurrection life. And no one comes to the Father but through believing in me. Imagine this. Imagine all the people that you know who are unbelievers. And there are a lot of unbelievers in your periphery. And during this crisis, when everybody's attention is turned to the supernatural, You can just ask them, do you believe in Christ? You're going to hear a lot of people say no, because the road is narrow that leads to the resurrection life. Just imagine this, that all those people, some of whom you love like crazy, are five words away from eternal life in heaven. Five words. Father, I believe in Christ. And they don't say it. And it's not because they didn't hear about it. Heed the warning in John chapter 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has the resurrection life right at that moment. But he who does not obey the command to believe in the Son will not see the resurrection life. Instead, the wrath of God, the lake of fire, abides on him. When you get to know the Lord, you'll have no problem placing your confidence in him. 
both for salvation and then for anything else. Why? Because you know that God wants you. God loves you. So take advantage of his grace. We close with a song. There is one thing never to forget about God. When you're a believer in Christ, or whether you're an unbeliever, God loves you unconditionally, with no conditions. Here's June Murphy to sing a song from God's perspective. When I say I love you, this is one of the best Christian songs ever written. When I say I love you. Written by June Murphy. I am the Lord your God And I love you So much That I'll lay down my life My love you will always Be precious to me I will never put you away Or push you nothing good or bad about you that would make a difference in what I have to say my death has made a way for you to be perfect in my eyes so no matter what I'm gonna love you anyway I'm not giving you hoops to jump through When I say I love you I'm not telling you when you blow it, we're through When I say I love you I know at times you will be untrue But I won't take my love from you Cause when I say I love you It will last for an eternity My love for you is not emotional It's part of who I am And it flows from my integrity I can teach you to love Unconditionally With the power of the Spirit Working in you So when you've been betrayed And even lied to You can still love others as I do If you want to Cause when I say I love you I'm not giving you hoops to jump through When I say I love you I'm not telling you when you blow it we're through When I say I love you I know at times you will be untrue But I won't take my love from you Cause when I say
out of here just listening to you. <laughs> wow. Well, maybe if you stand alive with some toilet paper, it'll help. <laughs> All right, let us pray. We're grateful, Heavenly Father, for the privilege of studying your absolute truth, the Word of God. Father, thank you for being in control of the universe, and thank you for your amazing Son who made the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice, by going to a cross and dying so that we could be reconciled to you. And thank you for your amazing Holy Spirit, who is our guide and our mentor and our teacher in this life, who is teaching us how to live the sanctified life, the holy life, the righteous life. Let us be a blessing to all those we come in contact this wi- with this week. Let us encourage them to get to know you. Let us bring them to Barah Ministries and help them get a dose of the truth. Let us help them uh, by helping them download the Barah Ministries app and listen to lessons that calm their souls and help them to know not to be conformed to this world, but to keep on being transformed by you through the renewing of their minds. And we ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in Christ's name. Say it with me. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming. Thanks for watching. And thanks for listening. Nobody took my dollar bet.